You're listening to The Jay Barker Show on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. Welcome to Big Noon Sports, featuring Lars Anderson, New York Times bestselling author of 12 books and a 20-year veteran of Sports Illustrated, and Matt Coulter, a former Alabama Broadcaster of the Year and longtime media personality. Here's Lars and Matt. Hello and welcome to the show. Big News Sports presented by Haley Sansing, Union Home Mortgage. It's Matt and Lars and the gang there at Tide. Lars, getting some showers here in Alabama, very typical for mid-August. And uh, that's the way it's going to be here for the next few weeks anyway. But practice goes on. And man, do the conference realignment uh, progressions and uh, what would you call it? Those fishing and those fishing from inside the conference to those fishing from outside the conference just continues to grow and grow. And there's an old saying, you need a scorecard <laughs> to keep up with all of this. Uh, let's see, the latest... Uh, Cal Stanford to the ACC. Now, you know, just that blows my mind geographically. Are they going to have changed the name? I mean, I mean, think about the softball teams traveling cross country to play at Cal or vice versa. That blows my mind. And now, just reading that North Carolina is going through all of their documentation with the ACC to try and find an out. Where's their out? I would guess the SEC. But uh, we really do need somebody to keep up with it. I, I think I've kept up with it pretty well. But you really never know what has happened until you open up your laptop in the morning. I, I think the heavens are with you because it is thundering. There's just there have been a couple thunderclaps as you've been uh, speaking, as if uh, <laughs> someone upstairs isn't too happy about what's going on. But um, yeah, so let's just start with uh, Cal and Stanford, and you just take a look at, at Stanford. It, it is absolutely one of the best universities in the world. It's produced more Olympians than any other university. And in those Olympic sports, Stanford wins more national championships than anyone else. So and, true. O- and oh, yes, Stanford is located in one of the nation's premier media markets, um, it just outside of San Francisco. And, and Cal, really, uh, if you use those same metrics, Cal isn't far behind Stanford. And yet, both of these schools have been left in uh, no man's land uh, currently because the the Big Ten, they passed on an opportunity to add both Cal and Stanford. Uh, they, uh, I think it was a mutual decision that uh, the Big 12 didn't really want them and, and Cal and Stanford didn't want to go there anyway. And so now, what do they do? Well, they have to look at the ACC. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it, it, it is a head-scratcher, but uh, ESPN reported this morning that the ACC held a, an exploratory call uh, on Cal and Stanford, and um, the conversation, I think, uh, that I think that uh, the head honchos at the ACC, meaning the ACC presidents, I think that their conclusion is that uh, the Golden Bears and the and the Cardinal would be really good fits for the ACC, except one little minor problem, that they're located on the other side of the country, as you mentioned. Um, but um, and 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 also, 
from the ACC's perspective, does this make financial sense? Because Cal and Stanford, given that they are currently members of a Power Five conference, this means that they would enter the ACC as quote, pro-rata, unquote, members. And pro-rata, that means that ESPN would pay them an equal share to the current ACC members, right? So they would get the same slice of the pie as, as, as Clemson, as Florida State, as everyone else. But how is that going to keep Florida State happy? Right, Florida State is already. Florida State's already saying we want a greater share of the pie because we contribute more, because we are more of a must-see TV than uh, some of the lesser schools when it comes to football. So it's a bit perplexing because I do think if they, uh, if the ACC does absorb Cal and Stanford. That is essentially thumbing their the presidents are thumbing their nose at Florida State and daring them to leave. And I think Florida State, if they can reel in an offer from either the Big Ten or the SEC, they're gone. Um, and uh, and and could adding Cal and Stanford, even though you're adding two uh, you know well respected universities. Could this ultimately hasten the demise of the ACC because you're going to anger other members? So there's that. And then uh, Yahoo is currently reporting that the Mountain West has held calls about either uh, uh, absorbing the Pac-4, right, the, the four the four pack that's left of the Pac-12, or simply uh, merging with them and taking the Pac-12 name, which I think. Uh, you know, the pay would be completely different, but you do salvage the name. Um, so that's something uh, to keep an eye on. And, and that makes the most sense for the four schools left in the, in the Pac-12 uh, is to go to the Mountain West. It, it just uh, I think that is that's sort of a no brainer. Um, and we'll we'll see what, what happens with that. But, uh, yeah, the, the the biggest story is is with Cal and Stanford and and where do they end up? And if they go to the ACC, does that trigger an exodus of one or more schools? And then, uh, yeah, as you mentioned, North Carolina, I'll just I'll just throw it over to you. What's the latest you're hearing? And is it with North Carolina? Would, do, they, do you think they have something in, in their back pocket uh, and offer either from the Big Ten or the SEC? You know, one would think that, and I, I also lean in that direction when it comes to the direction of Florida State um, because uh, why are these guys openly admitting that they're looking for ways to get out of the ACC? Would you do that if you didn't know where you were going? I, I don't think so. But kind of getting back to the Cal and Stanford deal, and you touched on this, and and I agree, is the ACC trying to get Cal and Stanford to solidify their conference and hopefully hold on to North Carolina and Florida State, or is it just the opposite? Uh, Do they see the writing on on the wall with the Tar Heels and the Seminoles, and they're already being proactive and trying to bring another two into the conference? And Man, it is roaring now. Uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, I, I think it's also worth mentioning here, Lars, we get a little bit closer to home, which closer to home and conference realignment now means nothing, does it? But um, where is the SEC in all this? 
Uh, that's crickets. A good, yeah. Crickets. But, but uh, yeah, the behind thing the is, scenes, I don't think they're how, crickets at that's, all. I, I, love, I love this about Greg Sankey. This is how he operates. Uh, everybody in his circle is uh, trusted, and there are no no leaks. Nothing has got out. Remember, I mean, when when uh, Texas and Oklahoma uh, came over to the SEC, we were all completely blindsided by that. None of us saw that coming. Um, and the, the, the fact that uh, so many people who were in the loop, and it actually probably wasn't that many. It was, you know, the, uh, the, the school presidents, uh, probably the athletic directors, probably the head coaches, and, and, and Greg and, you know, a couple other people, um, to, they're, they're able to pull that off sort of in the, in the cloak of darkness. And uh, I, I think we will hear from Greg uh, shortly, uh, be my guess. And the uh, important date is August 15th uh, because that is the, uh, the, the deadline for a school in the ACC to um, sort of petition the conference or tell the conference that they are going to be leaving within a year. So uh, everything, the, all, all conference realignment talk will, will pretty much be resolved by August 15th, uh, one would think. But uh, we'll see. It's going to be an interesting you know, week or so. And, and uh, we are also getting some more uh, information about how the uh, how the Pac-12, how the, the the story behind the scenes of, of how the Pac-12 simply disintegrated, and this came to us um, last night when uh, Washington State President Kirk Schultz sent a letter to uh, Cougar Nation, um, and uh, in 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 the letter that he he said that. Essentially, the, the, the recent decisions by Washington and Oregon to join the Big Ten sealed the fate of the Pac-12. And he said that he was shocked on Friday morning when they announced their intent to leave. And um, he also confirmed that on August 1, that was when the Pac-12 commissioner, George, uh, uh, I don't know how, I, I'm still not sure how to pronounce his last name. George Kalikoff, I think yeah, it's, I think it's, it's Kalikoff. Claykoff, okay, Klaikoff. George Claykoff. Ask he, Tony he, Curry. I think that's yeah. his part. <laughs> George Claykoff. Um, he presented uh, to the league's presidents, to the Pac-12 presidents and the chancellors, the Apple streaming deal, right, for uh, the, for their next television contract because their current contract runs out after this school year. And the, the approach uh, proposed by Apple is going to be a subscription-based model similar to what it has with major league soccer. And as, as, uh, as the commissioner told everyone that this was the only deal left on the table. Everybody, all the other media partners dropped out at the last minute. And wow. so this is all that was left for uh, Klaikoff and, and the Pac-12. And, and, you know, they tried to couch it Claykoff did as an innovative, forward-looking partnership proposal with Apple, and it's going to provide an opportunity to uh, significantly grow revenue in the next few years. But the problem is the money at the very beginning was going to be so much less than what the other conferences are raking in from Fox and ESPN 
that um, I think it, 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 it scared Washington and Oregon. They realized that they need to make this jump to really uh, maintain their ability to compete at a high level because, you know, let's face it, what's, what's driving this is television money. And why do you need the television money? Because you need the facilities. Why do you need the facilities? Because there's been an arms race to build these beautiful, you know, uh, gigantic football facilities to attract recruits. And and it all is tied into the TV money. And so uh, I think Washington and Oregon, they they made uh, a, a, in my mind, they made an obvious decision when given the offer to go to the Big Ten, they, they jumped at it. Um, and so, uh, you know, he thought the uh, the Washington State president, he said that he generally felt on Friday morning that we were, everyone was going to sign the needed paperwork. They're going to finalize the deal with Apple and and the uh, Pac-12 was going to move toward a new and brighter future. Well, didn't work out that way. <laughs> Within a dis- hours, Oregon and Washington bolt for the Big Ten, Arizona, Arizona State and Utah bolt the big 12 and there you go uh i don't blame washington and oregon for what they did i think anybody would have done the same thing uh they get into a more visible conference they're going to make more money and they leave behind apple and all i don't know about you lars and i understand streaming i don't watch stream broadcast Every once in a while, I may, if like, say, a Jacksonville State or a Troy is on one, or a UAB. By the way, note on ESPN, UAB and Trent Dilfer. We'll talk about that on the other side of this break. But uh, that's just that's the way they needed to go. And that's they'll make more money. I mean, the, the reasons were all there for them. Now, I do still wonder why Cal and Stanford weren't interested or the Big 12 weren't interested in them. I think that would have been... Uh, a pretty good fit for them. But it looks like now they're going to be taking, what, 3,200-mile cross-country flights, you know, to play golf. Yeah, that's that's just crazy. I mean, that is, that is it is nuts, 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 nuts. Is but, that all the way to go? Is that where we're headed, Lars? Uh, I, just, I don't know. I, I, that is a great question. Did anybody um, take a lesson from Thursday night football? I mean, even Al Michaels said this is not going well. Anyway, the show is going well. Mark Heim from AL.com and WNSP down in Mobile, Alabama, will be joining in just a little bit. You're listening to Big Noon Sports, Matt and Lars. Laura Lee Thompson is known as the Bama Broker. She's a Tuscaloosa native, an Alabama graduate, and the only realtor in town with Wall Street experience. A skilled negotiator, Laura Lee knows how to buy low and sell high. And the Bama Broker isn't just going to show you houses. No, Laura Lee is going to educate you on the market, guide you to homes that fit your budget, and teach you how to sell your home for its maximum profit. Throughout the entire process, the Bama Broker will equip you with the tools you need to both buy a home and build financial wealth through home ownership. Trust me, the Bama Broker 
who's as roll-tied as houndstooth, will get you across the goal line. That's Laura Lee Thompson, the Bama broker with Advantage Realty Group. You can reach her at 205-790-7229. Again, that's 205-790-7229. And you can also email her at Laura Lee at thebamabroker.com. That's Laura Lee at thebamabroker.com. Securing the best mortgage possible requires a lender who has knowledge, is trustworthy, and treats customers like family. And no one is better at all of this than the mortgage miracle worker, Haley Sansing. Based right here in Tuscaloosa, Haley Sansing has spent decades working in the mortgage industry. With Haley, it's personal, holding your hand from contract to close. With Haley, it's about one thing, you. Call Haley on her cell, yes, her cell, 205-792-1813. That's 205-792-1813. Let Haley help you. NLMS number 230376. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. We'll have the chance of a few passing showers or strong thunderstorms this afternoon and early tonight. The high today, 87. The low tonight, 71. Or tomorrow, a mixture of clouds and sunshine with scattered showers and thunderstorms around during the day. The high, 89. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 71 degrees in Tuscaloosa. The best sports talk in Alabama. This is Big Noon Sports. Indeed, Matt and Lars, the rain, the humidity, the temperature. We're all here, and in Alabama, it has thunderstormed throughout the morning. And uh, as a result, temperatures are a little bit lower. But guess what? That, that, that can change literally in just a few minutes, just like the thunderstorms can. So if anything severe pops up, promise you, our resources there at Tide 100.9 will be taking care of us. So uh, stay tuned, and we'll let you know if, and hopefully not, anything happens. I just wanted to give a shout-out to Alex Scarborough and ESPN. Uh, their first story underneath their college football page is about Trent Dilfer and uh, his move to college football after just coaching in high school, but he played in the NFL, won a Super Bowl. So uh, there's a pretty good read there and uh, how he's making that transition and uh, wants his players to breathe fire. And with the blaze of the dragon and all, that certainly makes sense. You know, Alex, I've met him a couple of times, a good writer and, and a piece that I recommend for today's reading. Yeah, uh, Alex is very well liked uh, among me, among media members and uh, respected. I know by, by coaches and does a really good job for ESPN. And um, the, the story is it's a fascinating look at at Trent Dilfer and and Alex. You know, correctly labels him as college football's most outside of the box new hire. Right. Um, I mean, he's and, and Alex notes that he, he has the name recognition from his from his NFL days and also from being on TV. Uh, and he also knows uh, college or excuse me, high school coaches across the country with uh, his Elite 11 camp that he runs. And, uh, you know, and the fact that he spent four years coaching uh, at a small private high school in Tennessee and winning state championships there. 
but he doesn't have any any collegiate experience or any um, uh, professional coaching experience. So uh, it is uh, it is a bit of a gamble. But I think if you're UAB and, and we've talked about this, you have to gamble, right? Because yes. UAB is in a unique situation. They are if there is a middle class in college football, UAB kind of represents that. Right. And we know that the middle class is is being wiped out right now, right before our eyes. <laughs> and so I, for UAB to sort of maintain its hold on, on where it is and also, you know, try to even get into that sort of next echelon, they, they have to roll the dice with somebody like Dilfer, who I think with Dilfer, there's not going to be a middle ground. This is a boom or bust <laughs> this is a boom or bust proposition. And I, I think he, I actually think he I think he's going to succeed. Um, and uh, I, I think that uh, he is going to be able to, to recruit to UAB in a way that uh, perhaps other coaches haven't been able to just, again, because of his name recognition, because of the fact that he can wear that Super Bowl ring when he walks into the the home, the homes of, of recruits and. Who knows? I mean, maybe you can get Ray Lewis to make a phone call for him, right? Like <laughs> Trent Dilfer knows everybody, and uh, and and so I, I think uh, I, I I've liked the hire from from day one, and and uh, you and I absolutely both uh, love the athletic director there at UAB, and um, I don't know. I, I would love just to get your thoughts. You 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 are very close to this program, and and. We haven't had a chance to really uh, get just your big picture thoughts on Trent Dilfer and and whether or not you think it's a it's a good move. Um, it's all a good move in my opinion, but it all comes down to winning football games, and then prior to that, you got to recruit. And I think Dilfer can do that. But we've got to see the proof of the pudding on the field when they play. And another kind of a caution flag when you're talking about him as a coach and what he did in the NFL and then what he did at the high school level. Well, not only is he coming into college football, but he's coming into college football when UAB is moving up a rank in leagues. I mean, they're going from Conference USA to the AAC, and I don't know necessarily the Blazers were dominant, but uh, they were certainly upper echelon in basketball and football in Conference USA and would have continued had they decided to stay. But no, a bigger conference offered, so they're going. So not only is Dilford just coming out of the high school ranks to go into college, but now he's going to a college, particularly a conference that's uh, viewed as a lot stronger than the one that uh, in Conference USA that UAB was playing in before. But just as a guy, the way he dresses people, the way he says things, he doesn't back down. He challenges people. I imagine he's just challenging them on the field as well. And we'll see when the 2023 season debuts here in just a month. But um, right now, and, and, you know, you can only gauge it, like I said a minute ago, on what happens on the football field. But right now, I think it's a win higher. And if here's one really good reason. If they'd have hired anybody else but Trent Dilfer, would they be the first story above the fold on no. ESPN's college football page? And we Boom. wouldn't be talking. Yeah, Mark and Ingram. We would, we Mark Ingram. Be, yeah. Yeah, um, you know, and when Mark Ingram began the coaching search, 
and it should be noted that that Mark uh, was completely autonomous in the search. He didn't go out and hire a, a firm or have other people. He he's, he kind of operates like Greg Byrne. You know, he's a one man show. And um, you know, uh, Mark was uh, absolutely against hiring a high school coach. But then, you know, uh, he uh, got you know in his research, he came across Trent Dilfer. And realize that uh, you know that the, the NFL experience, the visibility on TV, um, the Elite Eleven camp, uh, the success at the high school level—it was worth taking a gamble. Just kind of how, like you know, Colorado's taking a gamble on Deion Sanders, and, and I know Trent doesn't like that comparison because it's it, the two programs and the resources that the programs have it's apples and oranges but uh nonetheless uh if if both Deion Sanders and Trent Dilfer are successful hey you may see uh this become somewhat of a trend right just hiring a very successful uh, NFL players who have a little bit of coaching experience to take on big time uh, college jobs. And I loved what Trent, uh, how he just, yeah, how he carries himself and how he presented himself at his introductory news conference, right? He, uh, he talked about like, hey, I don't know how to recruit. I don't know how to recruit at an elite level. I have no idea. I'm just gonna. I'm gonna hire people. I'm gonna hire people who can do that. And uh, he's there's definitely gonna be some learning on the job, right? Um, but he did that at Lipscomb Academy too. Uh, he when he took it over, uh, it was a, a two and nine team. And then after his fourth season, they had won back to back state championships. I mean. So he, he figured something out at Lipscomb, right? Uh, so I, I, I like it. And uh, it, it'll just be really, really fascinating to see this, this sort of experiment play out before our eyes, both at UAB and Colorado. And I would, I, I'll make a, a bold prediction right here. UAB is going to have more wins in Colorado this year. Oh, I don't think there's any question. <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, I mean, uh, some people no, are thinking that it's not terrible. No, but I'm not. I'm not kidding. Like there are media members who are, you know, saying that Colorado is a threat to uh, win their conference, and uh, and you know, it, it, it's just this is a, this is a team large, that didn't win what, a game last they, year. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> but, but, uh, no, they won one, didn't they? Or they won an eleven? One and eleven, something yeah, like, something that. like that. To yeah. make that jump is just ridiculous. But I think they're drinking. Dion's Kool-Aid, but uh, we'll see how that works out. Lars on the Alabama and Auburn practice fields. Good news for Auburn is Jacquez Hunter has returned, and his playing status is still not made available. However, he's on the playing field, and you would think after somewhat of a two-week suspension or something like that from all team activities that he's back. He was working out yesterday and actually taking handoffs from Robbie Ashford, so that's good. And also good... I, I love it when O-linemen stepped up. J.C. Latham did uh, at the SEC Media Days here just about three weeks ago. But now Tyler Booker has stepped up, and he said, we want guys to tap out. I think the headline says, we want them to quit. That's the offensive mindset that uh, Alabama had 10 years ago. And you and I have agreed since before spring 
that that's the direction that Alabama is heading. And when you just look at their running back room and their offensive linemen, um, even myself as an offensive coordinator can make the decision to get the ball in the hands of those three or four guys as often as possible. Hey, coming up, Mark Hyam will be joining us from AL.com and WNSP. He has his own radio show down in the Bay City of Mobile. We'll talk to him on the other side of the break as you listen to Big Noon Sports, presented by Haley Sansing, Union Home Mortgage. Seven, nine. Laura Lee Thompson is known as the Bama Broker. She's a Tuscaloosa native, an Alabama graduate, and the only realtor in town with Wall Street experience. A skilled negotiator, Laura Lee knows how to buy low and sell high. And the Bama Broker isn't just going to show you houses. No, Laura Lee is going to educate you on the market, guide you to homes that fit your budget, and teach you how to sell your home for its maximum profit. Throughout the entire process, the Bama Broker will equip you with the tools you need to both buy a home and build financial wealth through home ownership. Trust me, the Bama broker, who's as roll-tied as houndstooth, will get you across the goal line. That's Laura Lee Thompson, the Bama broker with Advantage Realty Group. You can reach her at 205-790-7229. Again, that's 205-790-7229. And you can also email her at Laura Lee at thebamabroker.com. That's Laura Lee at thebamabroker.com. Securing the best mortgage possible requires a lender who has knowledge, is trustworthy, and treats customers like family. And no one is better at all of this than the mortgage miracle worker, Haley Sansing. Based right here in Tuscaloosa, Haley Sansing has spent decades working in the mortgage industry. With Haley, it's personal, holding your hand from contract to close. With Haley, it's about one thing, you. Call Haley on her cell, yes, her cell, 205-792-1813. That's 205-792-1813. Let Haley help you. NLMS number 230376. From T-Town to the Plains, this is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports. That's it. Big Noon Sports, Matt and Lars, Kim and Noah. Uh, and the gang is all here, uh, including Mark Heim from AL.com and WNSP Radio down in Mobile. Program note to Tim Brando will be joining us next hour. So uh, there's the cleanup hitter, your leadoff. How's it going, Mark? How are you? Man, just trying to make, get the first base, man. Try to get on. So he got me <laughs> home, man. That's how it is, right? That's exactly right. Uh, hey, Mark, uh, just just some brief comments on what you know from Alabama and their spring workouts. They're totally closed to the media except for that practice on Saturday. But um, got a big story, literally, on somebody that uh, we want to talk about in a minute. But I kind of want to lead with uh, – 
you know, the meat and potatoes here. Alabama football, your thoughts here, and please share your thoughts on whether or not uh, what the latest word is that Ty Simpson is the leader at quarterback. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, uh, I'm not sure I'd lead with that question at the next Nick Saban press conference. I wouldn't word it nope. quite like that. Uh, he's made it very clear that uh, he'll let us know when uh, when they know. I, I don't I don't know if that's completely accurate on his part, but I understand his point. We're going to continue to ask the same questions. He's going to continue to give the same answers, and we probably won't know until uh, week one that they, they they went out they go out there. But you know, it's like we've heard from him since spring, uh, and and all the stops in between until now, right? They're just they're looking for somebody that can go out and just play and not make mistakes, limit the turnovers, limit the mistakes, not hang on to the ball too long, make the right decision. And quite frankly, I think it's uh, it, it's almost become cliche, but it really comes down to those things. I think the person that makes the, the, the least amount of stakes and, and keeps, I hate to use the term game manager, I might use that term last time I was all of you guys, the, the guy that can manage the game the best, I think at least initially is going to get the start. Oh, I, I'm with you. Uh, the, the, the one who commits the fewest mistakes, right? Uh, and who do you think that will be? If you, had to, if you had to bet your house right now on which of the three it will be, who, who, who would you bet on? Well, chances are I'd be out of a house, but um, <laughs> I, it's initially it, to me it was is Buckner, right? Because why else would he be coming down? But we've we've seen this play out. We've seen this movie before, right? Jake Coker came down. It didn't work out for Jake initially, and then he he wound up getting his his uh, his shot and wound up working out great for Jake. I love Jalen Milrow and his athleticism. Man, he takes off. It's like like shot out of a cannon. So. Uh, but his his consistency has been an issue. So, again, if I had to bet my house, I'd be at the Holiday Inn. Uh, I, I'll go Ty Simpson just because I think he's a little bit more well-rounded at that um, and, and, both, and more balanced. Because he can run it now, too. Don't let people fool you. But he's probably a little bit better polished passer. He has a little bit better presence in the pocket. So I'm going to go Simpson uh, just because he's been there longer than Buckner. But I tell you what, man, it's going to be hard to keep Milrow off the field, I think. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you there. They need to find a place for him somehow, somewhere, whether or not he's behind yeah. center or not. Yeah, yeah I agree. Uh, you got, you got to get the ball in his hand for sure. Um, do you get the sense of uh, just talking to people around the program and, and hearing Coach Saban and, and the other coaches and the players – do you get the sense that there's a high level of confidence on this team? And it, it seems to me that that Nick, he really likes this roster. He likes the the I think the the mental makeup and just where this team is right now. Is, are you sensing that as well? Yeah, I mean, I think there's a little bit of a reality check after all of the high expectations of last year and the the prominence, you know, uh, of Bryce Young and Will Anderson, and you know, we, we've talked all about that. I think he's really driving home the fact that no matter how good you are, there's going to be somebody out there with equal and maybe even sometimes, dare I say, better talent. Uh, so what do you do in those situations, right? Um, they've clearly made it a point to get back to basics and start running the ball and, and maybe a little bit more pro style. I, I mean, I don't know how successful you can be in today's game like that. I guess we're going to find out. But, you know, Tyler Booker, uh, you probably already talked about it, but Tyler Booker has made just some awesome comments. I mean, if, if I'm an Alabama fan, I'm ready to run through a wall based on some of the True. comments that Tyler Booker ma- made. And I mean, uh, now, to be fair, 
what else do you expect your offensive guard to say, right? Like, <laughs> he's not going to be sitting there talking about how he really hopes we hit that bubble screen on, on third and short. So, yeah, but that's the type of mentality that you want to hear from your offensive line. And I think that's the type of edginess that Saban has kind of hinted at that's been missing over the last couple of years as they spread it out and throw it around a little bit more. It's nobody's fault. I mean, who's going to blame a guy for giving it to Bryce Young and tell him go win the ball game every every week, right? So I do think they're getting back to basics. Uh, the interesting question I have is would they be getting back to this kind of pro style, like jam it down your throat mentality if Bryce Young were back for another year, if there was a two or, or a Jalen or a more seasoned guy? Um, you know, is, is it's probably a chicken or egg thing, guys. Right, guys? I mean, you know, mm-hmm. did they are they going back to – to, to ground and pound because they have the inexperienced quarterback or you know that's um, a good question you know it's hey, a really we'll good question oh, we won't right. but i would say based on where the way alabama is recruiting which started before bryce young departed that um nick saban is is headed that way anyway isn't he mark i mean with the, with the linemen that he's recruited that seem to be best fitted for the run game opposed to the pass it looked to me. It looks to me like Saban's just changing his philosophy. It's not changing it. He's going back to the one that he established the program. Yeah, and I think it's uh, you know we've said, I've said this for years. You know, most of college football is playing checkers. He's playing chess. Uh, so I do think uh, the mentality now is, man, instead of trying to create more opportunities to score. Let's just score every time we have the ball, even even if it means having less opportunity, if that makes sense, right? It's kind of the anti-Golden State Warriors three-point kind of mentality, which is, man, you put enough up, you can shoot a lower percentage and still win games if you put enough of them up. You know what I mean? I think that's probably the mentality. What are, what are your thoughts on uh, the defense? Um, it, it, it appeared to me, it does appear to me, that this defense uh, has the potential to be very special, like 2011 special. Um, do you, uh, are you in agreement with that assessment or just get your overall characterization of, uh, of the defense? Yeah, you know, I think the trend, I, first of all, yes, I, I think they're going to be improved. Um, especially on the back half. Uh, I know they got some transfers in there. Uh, Kool-Aid's back there. I think there's some, some, some seasoned vets uh, that have to learn, you know, where to be and all that kind of stuff. I do think over the last couple of years there's been a little too much freelancing, guys trying to get theirs. Um, it wasn't as much of a problem last year as it was the year before, but I do think, and I, I, I'm, I'm probably getting away from your question here, but I think a lot of that, that freelancing stuff is, a, a little bit of a result of NIL and trying to market yourself and trying to brand yourself and not playing within a system and understanding if you do your job, then the defense will get it done. I, I'm thinking a little bit of that. I think that I, I think they're getting back to the whole, you know, let's key in and do our job. Um, but yeah, I mean, look, Alabama's always going to have as good, if not better, athletes than, they, than anybody they face. The question to me is, can they stay disciplined? And this includes the offense too. We talk a lot about the pre-snap penalties and how many penalties they got last year i think that goes to both sides of the ball i know i think kevin Steele's implementing a a a, a push-up uh consequence if you get called if you get flagged so it might be like willie mays hayes in, in major league where these guys are on the ground pumping out 20 push-ups between downs but um i like i like the mentality of the team and obviously you can't you can't dismiss the athleticism so i no i i think they're gonna they're gonna be legit the question you have to ask yourself is do good or great 
what, what's considered good or great defense in this day and age of throwing it up and down the field? If you hold the team to 21, 24, 28 points, that should be good enough to win. I don't know if we could have said that a decade ago. Well, as a leadoff guy, it's only fit that you'd bring up Willie Mays Hayes. Oh, um, well, you know. Um, I think Lars wants to jump into what used to be a huge story, and now it's just not as huge. Yeah, um, one of my favorite pieces I ever wrote for Sports Illustrated um, was uh, back in 2013. Uh, went out and and spent time with Eric Esch at his uh, farm uh, just outside of Jasper and uh, ended up writing about a, I don't know, two, three thousand word piece on Butterbean uh, in a where are they now uh, story. <laughs> and it, yeah. it was it was so much fun just, you know, going over his whole career and um, how he got started when he was 23, working in a, a mobile home factory uh, when uh, in Jasper, uh, when one of his buddies dared him to fight in a tough man competition. Yeah. And uh, but he was too heavy. His buddies paid the entry fee, but he was too heavy. He weighed 420, so he had three weeks to lose uh, 20 pounds. And for those three weeks, all he ate was chicken and butter beans. <laughs> and as he told me that that diet had, uh, let's see, some, shall we say, gassy side effects. <laughs> but, no, it it like it. <laughs> but it worked. But it worked. And he grew to hate butter beans, right? And so in his first fight... His friends, knowing that he hated butter beans so much, just started chanting butter bean, butter bean. Yeah. But uh, yeah, yeah, just tell us about your piece that you have up on AL.com about butter bean. Yeah, so uh, I think it was last week now uh, on social media, he kind of posted on Instagram, did this whole video and where uh, he just kind of informed the world um, that he's lost 200 pounds. Uh, and as you pointed out, this is not a man... Uh, um, uh, light uh, light of foot, right? So, I mean, he weighed as much as, as 500 pounds at one point, he said, but uh, lost 200 pounds, which is uh, just huge, right? Uh, because you know, as he gets older, yeah, I mean, you got to assume, you know, health becomes an issue with, when you're carrying that much weight. So to drop 200 like he did, and he did it with some sort of, some form of yoga. Now, look, you, you know, you guys have probably forgotten more about yoga than I'll ever know, but clearly it worked for the man because dude dropped two two spins on the scale. So it's a it's a pretty impressive feat, and I think he did it in like a year and a half, like under two years. It's crazy. Yeah, I, I remember he uh, he was riding shotgun in in my car. I had a white SUV at the time, and uh, I think I wrote in the story that. The, my car was listing starboard under the burden of his 450 pounds. I mean, he, he could barely fit in there. It was, uh, he, yeah. he, he's just a remarkable uh, guy. Did you go out? Did you talk to him? I did not. I did not. Um, I, I have not had the opportunity. You know, it's amazing. Um, I, I, I'm not telling you you don't know, but uh, he's, he's, he, he, he was actually born in Atlanta, as you guys know. Uh, he went to Michigan for a while, but then I think it was, he was like, what, 10 or 11, I think, when he moved to Jasper. So, um, uh, but he, he had a real kind of troubling childhood, if I, if I recall. Like, he was he was bullied a lot for being overweight. Yeah. His mom died at a young age. I mean, he certainly had all the motivation to go out there and, and uh, whip up on some folks when he got into the ring or the tough man contest or whatever. But uh, he's a compelling story for sure. 
I thought I'd live all my life before I would hear that Butterbean lost weight through yoga. Yeah, I know. That's a, that's a shocker. I mean, that, that, that may warrant a, uh, a larger piece at some point. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you might as well tell me that USC and UCLA are playing the Big Ten now. Oh, yeah, I know. <laughs> hey, can you talk some conference realignment? I, I didn't mean to keep you this long, but we'd like to. Can you hang on through the break? Sure, sure. He knows the drill. He has his own show in the mornings on WNSP. Mark Heim returns on the other side of this break as you listen to Big Noon Sports. Laura Lee Thompson is known as the Bama Broker. She's a Tuscaloosa native, an Alabama graduate, and the only realtor in town with Wall Street experience. A skilled negotiator, Laura Lee knows how to buy low and sell high. And the Bama Broker isn't just going to show you houses. No, Laura Lee is going to educate you on the market, guide you to homes that fit your budget, and teach you how to sell your home for its maximum profit. Throughout the entire process, the Bama Broker will equip you with the tools you need to both buy a home and build financial wealth through home ownership. Trust me, the Bama Broker, who's as roll-tied as houndstooth, will get you across the goal line. That's Laura Lee Thompson, the Bama Broker with Advantage Realty Group. You can reach her at 205-790-7229. Again, that's 205-790-7229. And you can also email her at lee at thebamabroker.com. That's lee at thebamabroker.com. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. We'll have the chance of a few passing showers or strong thunderstorms this afternoon and early tonight. The high today, 87. The low tonight, 71. Or tomorrow, a mixture of clouds and sunshine with scattered showers and thunderstorms around during the day. The high, 89. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 72 degrees in Tuscaloosa. From T-Town to the Plains. This is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports. Big Noon Sports going deep with Big Butterbean. One other thing I want to add to this. Let's move on to some conference realignment and speculate a little bit more, which is uh, which is what we do. We do it well. Mark Heim is our guest, but reading just a little bit more on Butterbean. By the way, this story was picked up by the national media. I'm reading this one on Fox. New York media has picked up on it. So he's really kind of a, a, a hero across the nation, not to just us here in Alabama. But anyway, the using of yoga to lose 200 pounds it's called ddp yoga and now it makes more sense to me the ddp stands for diamond dallas page pro wrestling superstar so he got on that weight loss program and he is now down to 308 i don't know i couldn't find any of these articles do do either one of y'all know what he's doing now is he in jasper is he still working on mobile homes do you know where mark no, I, I really don't. Uh, the only thing I had seen was just that he dropped that crazy weight. Now, I mean, I don't know if he's got any other time 
butt for yoga, but uh, I'm sure he could be a he could be a pitch man though. I mean, watch out, George Foreman in your grill, man. We got a we got a new fad going on here. He could make a a, a bag of loot. Yeah, it, you know. He uh, he he is still living out in in Jasper, uh, sort of out in the in the countryside. He's got um, like a it's like a eight thousand square foot uh, like huge barn kind of that he lives in. And there's a uh, he and his wife and their three kids live close by, and they've got a, got a pond and. They had a uh, at least when I was with there, they had a bunch of different animals. They had a, they had a macaw who was like <laughs> their pet. Wow. Um, but uh, you know, I think Butterbean. Just real quick, like I, what made him so popular was uh, just he was there was just something affable about him, right? He just had this gentle, friendly manner, kind of like a. a, a a very large neighbor who would be happy to lift your car if you didn't have a jack, right, to fix a flat. Um, I don't know. It, it just seemed like everybody loved him, and uh, I think that's why he still is, uh, you know, still generates national attention. But uh, what's generating attention in the college football world is, is realignment, Mark, and uh, the latest news is that the ACC is considering adding Cal and Stanford. Uh, we already know that Florida State, they wanted to change the revenue model in the ACC and they have threatened to leave. If Cal and Stanford do end up coming over the ACC, do you think Florida State bolts? Uh, man, if they had an open invitation to the Big Ten, or, and I, I, it's, it's possible. I mean, I think I saw something uh, where the viewership on ACC games, like Florida State's just head and shoulders above anybody else. I think uh, Clemson is second, but the Florida State viewership is huge. Um, So, man, I'm kind of at the point with this. It's been really fascinating to kind of watch all the different uh, hot takes and all all the opinion sway on this conference realignment. I'm I'm still of the belief that if you're a conference, you gobble up as many – big name brands as you can mm-hmm. and just sort it all out later it's just uh, uh i mean i just it's it's just it's just anarchy right now um and what's been interesting is the sec is just kind of standing pat and sitting there and watching all this play out and then they'll calculate a move if necessary uh later but you know now there you see the, the a lot of students and even some talking heads are talking about how it's not fair to these student athletes that they have to travel 3,000 miles. And so they're, they're getting some blowback in that regard. Um, uh, so some people are defending that. It's just, it's been what, so I, I think Greg's thinking he's sitting there taking all of this in and he's going to make a calculated move. We really probably, if it wasn't for TV contracts, um, we probably should just get rid of conferences altogether at this point, right? I mean, because if you're willing to, cro- uh, to, to cross the country to play a game for a big game, and we're going to need to for the expanded expanded college playoff. Just get rid of them or, or take college football out of the current conference situation. Just make everybody an independent. Of course, we can't do that because of that that TV market and that and that and that, and that media contract. But it's just been crazy. So the ACC, like I think you mentioned, discussing adding Stanford and Cal. I mean, there was some talk about uh, the Pac four or whatever's left of that getting uh, um, kind of engulfed by another conference. Man, there, there's stuff all over the place. But at the end of the day, 
you know, the the landscape has shifted uh, dramatically since you and you guys and I got together last, and we weren't we weren't. <laughs> it hadn't been that long since we uh, since we last talked. Yeah, you know, um, Florida State should thank Bobby Bowden for all those TV ratings. I mean, <laughs> come on, it's plain and simple. Their popularity in the '80s and the '90s is just is the reason why they get such high TV ratings. If Florida State were to go, as you just mentioned, to the Big Ten, would that sway the balance away from the SEC? Both of you guys can answer uh, that question. I just kind of came up with it. I, uh, I think from a prestige uh, and a branding, potentially. But when it comes to the on-the-field product, no, not yet. I mean, you know, with Alabama and – I mean, as of today, Alabama and Georgia are still among the cream of the crop. And then you figure Oklahoma and Texas, it's really only a matter of time before they uh, they return to form. Um, or, I mean, right now you got, what, Ohio State? And maybe Michigan, because Michigan beat Ohio State in that Big Ten. I mean, USC and UCLA and Oregon, from a at least, and you might, you guys may disagree, from a from a national relevance in a college football playoff or a college football national championship uh, perspective, have been pretty relevant. I mean, everything out on the West Coast has been so. Um, man, I don't, I don't think from a competitive standpoint and a and a and a championship standpoint, I don't think they wrestle that title away anytime soon. Now that the Big Ten is up to 18 teams, um, does this force the hand of Commissioner Sankey? And uh, and I I really liked your description of Greg just sort of, you know, just sort of lurking in the shadows here. And, And Matt and I have talked about how remarkable it was when Oklahoma and Texas announced that they were coming to the SEC. It word of that did not leak out anywhere. Right, yeah, <laughs> Greg. Right. Greg runs a tight ship there. Um, if you had to guess, what would Commissioner Sankey's next move be if he has to make one? Uh, I don't know what he will do. What I would do, and look, I don't have a degree in anything close to being able to run a conference. I'd go break the bank. I'd go get Florida State and Clemson. Um, you're still kind of in that same kind of SEC, although we're getting loosey-goosey on the whole Southeastern Conference thing. With, But, you know, you got Clemson now in South Carolina. You pull Florida State in. I think those are uh, great brands. Um, and I, I think you still you still have that, that feel of a Southeastern Conference. Um, and, and you bring in some, some heavy hitters. Now, I know they're under contract, uh, and the ACC bringing in a couple guys may stop that. The other gym out there is Notre Dame. Uh, now, for us traditionalists out here, I don't think Notre Dame uh, makes sense in the SEC, but none of this makes any sense. <laughs> um, True. Uh, but, I mean, if, if I'm the Big Ten, that's who I'm going after. I'm going after I'm going after Notre Dame. I'm throwing everything I can at them. And then I'm going after uh, Clemson and Florida State. I don't know what it does to, to bring those remaining West Coast teams in other than to just appease the West Coast teams you just brought in, right? From a scheduling situation, you know, like you schedule them in the West Coast one week and then send them out the other week, you know, and, and just alleviate some of that travel stuff. I, just, I don't know. You, you guys might have uh, better a better reason to bring those guys in or if that makes more sense, but it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Mark, we always appreciate your time. And next, next time we're going to bring up what in the world, and this is not even being talked about. What happened to Pac-10 basketball? I mean, 
Wow. Think about that. Yeah. Uh, and incredible. I'll leave you with this. Uh, George Kliakoff, man, that man's going to go down is the man that brought the Pac-12 down. As tradition-rich <laughs> as they like to talk about, that man killed the Pac-12 and essentially the Rose Bowl. I mean, that's, that's, that's not something I want to be remembered for, that's for sure. <laughs> no. But that's exactly the way he is going to be remembered. We'll remember you for another yeah. great interview. Thank you, Mark. Appreciate yeah, it. We'll talk you, next week. Right, Enjoy it, guys. Y'all great stuff. Later. You too. All right. Indeed. You're listening to Big Noon Sports next hour. Tim Brando. This is being presented by Haley Sansing, Union Home Mortgage. Laura Lee Thompson is known as the Bama Broker. She's a Tuscaloosa native, an Alabama graduate, and the only realtor in town with Wall Street experience. A skilled negotiator, Laura Lee knows how to buy low and sell high. And the Bama Broker isn't just going to show you houses. No, Laura Lee is going to educate you on the market, guide you to homes that fit your budget, and teach you how to sell your home for its maximum profit. Throughout the entire process, the Bama Broker will equip you with the tools you need to both buy a home and build financial wealth through home ownership. Trust me, the Bama Broker, who's as roll-tied as houndstooth, will get you across the goal line. That's Laura Lee Thompson, the Bama Broker with Advantage Realty Group. You can reach her at 205-790-7229. Again, that's 205-790-7229. And you can also email her at lee at thebamabroker.com. That's lee at thebamabroker.com. Securing the best mortgage possible requires a lender who has knowledge, is trustworthy, and treats customers like family. And no one is better at all of this than the mortgage miracle worker, Haley Sansing. Based right here in Tuscaloosa, Haley Sansing has spent decades working in the mortgage industry. With Haley, it's personal, holding your hand from contract to close. With Haley, it's about one thing, you. Call Haley on her cell, yes, her cell, 205-792-1813. That's 205-792-1813. Let Haley help you. NLMS number 230376. Uptown Square Media Station. WTUG HD2 Northport. W265CG Tuscaloosa. Tide 100.9. And streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. More Big Noon Sports coming up. Presented by Haley Sansing Union Home Mortgage. Our thanks to Laura Lee Thompson, the Bama Broker, Advantage Realty Group as well. As uh, she brings a lot of our interviews to the table in just about 15 minutes, we will uh, do that again. As Tim Brando from Fox Sports. Man, his world is split up with all the conference realignment and with his yeah. responsibilities on the national television market. But there are a couple other stories that Lars wanted to bring up, and I just preface this about the Henry Rugg situation. It is newsworthy. It needs to be reported, but I just get physically ill when we talk about it. 
Yeah, um, both of these stories in involve uh, fatal car accidents. Uh, I'll get to Henry in a, in a second, but uh, out of uh, Athens, Georgia, um, the university has uh, fired the uh, football recruiting staffer who survived the crash in January that killed uh, Devin Wilcock, who's a player, and uh, took the life of another recruiting staffer. Um, and this woman, she's been fired uh, less than a month after she filed a lawsuit against the university's athletic association. Um, her name is uh, Victoria. She goes by Tori uh, Bowles. And uh, the school said that she was uh, dismissed from her job because she refused to cooperate with an internal investigation into the crash. Um, uh, but uh, Ms. Bowles' attorneys claim that she's being retaliated against uh, for filing the lawsuit. So um, it's something to keep an eye on. Uh, this, this lawsuit, I, I, I don't know if Georgia, I, you know, we're not there. We don't know what's going on, but this is not good for Georgia. And this is going to linger, and uh, I just I, I have a bad feeling for the the university here that uh, they are going to be on the hook for um, some serious. Uh, the, 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 this is going to this is all this is going to go all the way to trial. Yeah, I mean, and it's it, long lasting. It's a cloud it, it's, that's just hanging over Athens in what should be a, a, just a banner couple of years. But uh, yeah. I will just say this from what I what little I know legally, how could she talk to the university in their internal investigation when she's suing? Her attorneys aren't going to let them talk to Georgia. So. I know. that, that just, it, it, it doesn't seem right, uh, does it? But uh, also... Or just suspend her with pay or something like that. I don't yeah. know. Firing, firing her doesn't help the situation nationally, in the national picture. But No, it, I'm not it, there it either, like you said. Yeah. Um, but it's got to just be really uncomfortable for her to go into work, sure. right? As you're suing your really your boss, so to speak. But um, uh, it's a it's a tough situation there in Athens, and it doesn't look that it, as if it's going to be resolved anytime soon. And then we are all familiar with uh, the the story of Henry Ruggs. Um, and uh, stemming from a November 2nd, 2021 car wreck in which um, Tina Tintor, uh, Las Vegas resident, and her dog were killed uh, when Ruggs, who was driving at a high rate of speed, um, rear-ended uh, them late at night. And um, But the, the, the news with Henry is that um, on... Uh, he, he was removed from his electronic monitoring program. He had a bracelet on uh, his his leg, electronic monitoring bracelet. Um, it, but it was removed on May second and of twenty twenty two, and then it was put back in place on June second. So for a month, he was without the bracelet and. You know, people were wondering what what happened. What was he doing uh, during this month? And uh, it, it turns out that uh, in, that uh, it was revealed in a, a court filing by his attorneys that uh, Ruggs underwent inpatient treatment for post-traumatic stress disorder for 28 days at a facility in Newport Beach, California. Um, and, uh, you know, just, uh, 
look, this is just, it, it's a horrible story. Um, but if, if and, and, and we know who the, the, the victims are here, it's Tina Tinter and, and her dog and, and Miss Tinter's family. And it's just, it's really bad. But imagine being in, in Henry's situation where, you know, your, your life is, is essentially ruined. Uh, and, uh, you know, he was going, uh, the, the police say that he was going 156 miles per hour, uh, two and a half seconds before impact. And then he was able to get the car slowed to 127 at the time of the, of the, of the impact. And, um, and now uh, the, the sentencing. So Ruggs uh, uh, pleaded guilty uh, to two counts, and, and they were lesser counts. It's, it's a complicated case because of, uh, of Miranda rights and, and, and whether or not the police had a reasonable you know, cause to do certain things. And so anyway, Ruggs, is, he's going to be sentenced uh, tomorrow, right? Tomorrow's the 9th. Yes, tomorrow um, at 11 a.m. our time, 11 a.m. Central Time. And the judge has a lot of discretion here. Uh, it could be as little as three years or as much as 10. And um, the obviously uh, Ruggs' attorneys are, are, are arguing for leniency. But, um, you know, if if he had been convicted of the original charges right before the plea deal, he could have been sentenced to more than 50 years in prison. My guess is that the judge is going to give him the max here. Um, but again, there's and and uh, and Miss Tinter, the the victim here, her mother, brother, and uncle are going to speak uh, to the judge in court uh, before sentencing. And uh, tomorrow is it's going to be a rough day for uh, for Henry Ruggs. And uh, you know, again, Matt, I I I don't know where to go with this other than just sort of report the, the facts and just uh, what a horrible situation this is. Yeah, it's just it's heart wrenching from every single angle. But um, you know, because we do what we do, um, just small questions, insignificant questions, ones that I'm almost you know a little tentative to ask, but. 28 days in a high-end California treatment center costs a lot of money. So I immediately, who's paying for that? Um, Maybe Henry Ruggs is. Ruggs probably, I mean, from his contract, yeah. The other thing is, is if he gets out in five, six years, uh, can he play? Will the NFL allow him? Oh, no, there's no way. I I, I wouldn't think so. I'm Um, trying to think if... uh, there's any precedent here um they've suspended guys for other things like gambling and that uh who was the uh i can't we can't go down this road right now we got tim brando coming up and, and yeah that, that will take take away from that but uh, it's just it's tragic it's sad and um you pray for their family and as nick saban said you keep henry ruggs and his family in 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 your prayers too certainly it's different circumstances for them but um, he's gone through quite a lot, not nearly as much as um, that young lady, his family. Um, they've been pretty, not real vocal, but they have certainly made their opinions known. So yeah. that's going there. Um, just real quick, I want to make sure that uh, all you NFL guys, which we all are, 
Monday Night Football has announced the opener will be Baltimore at Washington. I was guy ho hum about that. <laughs> Were you? I mean, can you I, I, look? I follow NFL as close as anyone. I don't. Yeah, you do. I don't know if I can name Washington's starting quarterback. <laughs> uh, uh, Mark Schleister. <laughs> I, I mean, Carson Wentz a little bit last year. Carson Wentz currently, you know, out of a job. He's he's training. Uh, yeah. I, I, but anyway, um, and I know their offensive coordinator is Eric Bieniemy, uh, head coach Ron Rivera. But uh, they have a good defense. Uh, yeah. So that, that, I thought that was sort of a curious uh, decision as well. But uh, especially think, uh, with you know. But what Washington deals with, with ownership and all that kind of stuff, you know, the NFL is not beyond throwing their political ball into the ring here. But uh, we'll see. And now another thing that we'll see, which is really, really good, is that the local guy, B-Rob, um, is and has, I read an article, he's ready to go. He's full steam. You remember last year he played, after, what, two, three weeks after a gunshot wound? Yeah. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what he can do on the NFL level when he is full steam once again. He sure was okay, a pleasure I, to I'll, watch in Crimson. Uh, Go. I'll say this. Uh, this is breaking news. I, I know everybody in Alabama is just going to be on the edge of their seat for this. But about an hour ago, Ron Rivera basically confirmed that Sam Howell will be the commander's starting quarterback in 2023. The North Carolina kid? The North Carolina kid, yep. Wow. Okay. Uh, that, it, man, it's, is... it's, it's, it's between sort of him and uh, Jacoby Brissett. And I, I think they want to give, they want to see what they have in, in Sam Howell. You know, when he came out, a lot of people thought that he was going to be, uh, can be, has the potential to be a very good NFL player. So uh, get him out on the field, give him a chance to see what happens. And nonetheless, let's put him on Monday Night Football. How about <laughs> yeah. that for your debut? All right. Against Lamar uh, Jackson. <laughs> exactly. Hey, uh, we'll get back. Fox Sports. Tim Brando is with us on Big Noon Sports. Laura Lee Thompson is known as the Bama Broker. She's a Tuscaloosa native, an Alabama graduate, and the only realtor in town with Wall Street experience. A skilled negotiator, Laura Lee knows how to buy low and sell high. And the Bama Broker isn't just going to show you houses. No, Laura Lee is going to educate you on the market, guide you to homes that fit your budget, and teach you how to sell your home for its maximum profit. Throughout the entire process, the Bama Broker will equip you with the tools you need to both buy a home and build financial wealth through home ownership. Trust me, the Bama Broker, who's as roll-tied as houndstooth, will get you across the goal line. That's Laura Lee Thompson, the Bama Broker with Advantage Realty Group. You can reach her at 205-790-7229. Again, that's 205-790-7229. And you can also email her at lee at thebamabroker.com. That's lee at thebamabroker.com. 
Securing the best mortgage possible requires a lender who has knowledge, is trustworthy, and treats customers like family. And no one is better at all of this than the mortgage miracle worker, Haley Sansing. Based right here in Tuscaloosa, Haley Sansing has spent decades working in the mortgage industry. With Haley, it's personal, holding your hand from contract to close. With Haley, it's about one thing, you. Call Haley on her cell, yes, her cell, 205-792-1813. That's 205-792-1813. Let Haley help you. NLMS number 230376. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. We'll have the chance of a few passing showers or a strong thunderstorms this afternoon and early tonight. The high today, 87. The low tonight, 71. Or tomorrow, a mixture of clouds and sunshine with scattered showers and thunderstorms around during the day. The high, 89. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 72 degrees in Tuscaloosa. This is Big Noon Sports with Lars, Matt, and Christian. Big Sports, Matt Cover, Lars Anderson. We got... Uh, Kim Rankin, uh, Noah's there, and Justin's on the men, so good luck and prayers to you. And Tim Brando will be with us in, in just a moment or two. Just as we have a minute, I you have to have seen this video, Lars. Of I saw it. <laughs> Leyland Henry. Leyland Henry Jr. He is in the 12 and under USC, USA Boys World Championship baseball team. And he got up the other day, and he crushed a pitch over the center field wall, which is almost like a green monster. This 12-year-old kid hit the ball 400 feet. Now, if you haven't seen it, and you go look up the video, you'll go, well, pretty easy to understand how a kid like that could get that much power. He is uh, 5'10", 2'10". Uh, people are already <laughs> comparing him to Frank Thomas. But, wow. I mean, it was, it was a grand slam, too. And he absolutely powdered this pitch and um, elevated the United States to yet another victory. But uh, if you haven't seen it, Lars, it'd make you wonder if maybe he was somewhere in the Derrick Henry family as far as his strength is concerned. Yeah. Uh, I actually thought you were going to talk about the video of Jalen Milroe. Um, because uh, it, it, it turned the clock back to August 2022 uh, when Jalen, he signed a, uh, a, a, a NIL deal with the performance activewear brand uh, Roback. And, uh, and now um, on uh, yesterday, uh, Roback released a video on their social media that is allegedly from back in June when Milrow, he, he's seen showing off his arm strength and his accuracy. And in the clip, he, he can be seen hitting the crossbar on four consecutive attempts from different yardages. Uh, I mean, one is from like about, I don't know, 40 yards and maybe, uh, maybe 30, 40, 50 yards. And he's hitting the, 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 the crossbar. And it's, uh, it, it's an amazing feat 
However, it, it just simply has to be too good to be true. Like this has to uh, uh, be like special effects and editing. However, if you go online, uh, a lot of people believe it is true and they, you know, based on this video alone, hey, Jalen Milrow has got to be the starter. He's got to be the starter, Matt. <laughs> so this was edited or maybe uh, not. It, it appears. He hit it four straight times from three different, four different differences, uh, distances. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yes. Well, you know um, how they, you know, they can, you can, you can, even I can edit that stuff up. But um, it, it always, you got to consider whether or not it's a continuous loop. If they're different angles is uh it's interesting to see what you yeah. can do uh with this just simple editing but but you can tell like he has a big arm he has a big arm and uh the the, the question is uh, what will his accuracy be uh, be like you know when the when the action is live out on the field um because that is probably you know the the number one uh issue that he needs to improve on right is uh, is his accuracy of, of throwing the ball down the field and and decision making and and all of that but man he he can look the part he is a big man and athletic and um he uh <laughs> if 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 he can get that aspect of his game down he could be incredibly special and uh, and we know how much Saban loves quarterbacks that can run, right? Because if you go back to early he in his loves tenure them about at Alabama, as much as he hates who, playing against them. Well, yeah, because early in his tenure at Alabama, who were the quarterbacks that beat him? It was you know the guys like Johnny Manziel, uh, who by the way, uh, I just watched. I watched just the beginning of the documentary. It's on Netflix yeah, on, on Johnny. It, it is. It, I just watched like the first five minutes, and I was hooked. And I, I had to break away from it because I, I just had other stuff to do. But uh, I, I can't wait to watch that tonight. Um, it'll be, I think it's going to be, I think it's a real raw, authentic look at, at Johnny. And uh, I do know that the cameras just had amazing, uh, that the producers had amazing access to him. So, um, yeah. All right. We're, we're efforting to get Tim Brando here. If I could just talk over the air, I think yeah. you need to send him your yes. number as opposed to my number because my number kept getting a busy signal. When's yeah. the last time you heard a busy signal? <laughs> uh, yeah. It just it doesn't happen very often. So Lars <laughs> will attempt to get uh, forward the information as opposed to just giving Tim Brando's number live on the air. <laughs> um, that would obviously be. But uh, just getting back to the 12 and under world championship baseball and not necessarily Leland Henry. Uh, but that's both of those videos are worth jumping onto Google and, and getting and, and watching. But, uh, it also reminded me that it's August and the, I just texted world Tim's own number. Up. Oh, sorry. Okay. <laughs> this is, <just laughs> this is uh, turned into quite the, uh, you know what? Yeah. But, uh, yeah, there it is. Uh, okay. But, um, I don't know about you. Uh, you didn't play a lot of baseball as a child, but I, I played baseball all of my young life, and I still watch the Little League World Series. I love watching these kids. Um, they seem bigger. Is it just they, me, well, or do they just, they no, just seem bigger. huge? They're bigger. 
There's no question. They're six footers, you know. <laughs> and uh, are they really twelve? Uh, <laughs> now some of them might have gone over to the thirteen, but I don't think uh, anything like we've seen in the past. They're uh, very diligent on checking records because uh, they've had a few slip ups. But yeah. uh, I was watching yesterday, and this kid. Uh, I'd like to give team credit. I don't know. Maybe it was California. But uh, he was throwing the ball 75 miles an hour. Wow. Seven, from 45 feet. So 75 is really like about 125, uh, right? Something like that. And by the yeah. way, later in the show, I gotta, we got to share that story about Nolan Ryan and how they measured his 100-mile-an-hour fastball. But first, a guy that's got a fastball every time we call him is Tim Brando from Fox Sports. Tim, sorry, two little kids couldn't get the numbers right. So <laughs> that, that was on me. I almost I almost that gave your number me. out over the air. I almost gave your number out over the air, but uh, we got it figured out. This is true. Tim, did he really text you your own number? <laughs> yeah, yeah, he did. It, but that's okay. Listen, I've been... Uh, I've been challenged in that area in my past, too, so I'll go easy it's, on my... I'm not, I'm not the best multitasker in the world, okay? <laughs> Put it that way. <laughs> hey, hey, Tim, tell us, uh, tell us where you're up to. Uh, I know you're headed to uh, play in a, a Pro-Am tournament up in Memphis. Well, actually, it's the, it's the FedEx St. Jude, uh, which is the first round of the playoffs, so only 70 players uh, participate in the you know, and the challenge for the FedEx Cup. I, I used to play in that event uh, just as I played in the Brunos for many, many years, which became the, what is it now, Matt? It's, uh, it's the big event they have in the spring with the change of the it's regions so, now, yeah. Yeah. I haven't, yeah, I haven't played in a number of years in that, but uh, I play in the Byron Nelson, which is the same weekend as the regions, I think. Uh, but for years I played uh, at the St. Jude when it was in June, but when it became a world golf event and part of the uh, playoffs, uh, you have to be in the top 70 to get in. Uh, you guys saw what happened to Justin Thomas trying to get in uh, on the last hole this past week. Um, and Lucas Glover wound up winning the tournament and getting in. But uh, they, they have a celebrity am on the very day that the, the, the big golf tournament gets underway. We'll play out at Spring Creek Ranch, which is a great Nicholas golf course in Colliersville, just outside Memphis, and then uh, Friday uh, we'll take part uh, at the 18th hole, uh, watching all the golfers come in, and uh, and tomorrow night they've got a big concert. Uh, Julian Cardarelli and uh, the guy that sings lead for uh, Rascal Flatts, whose name escapes me now for the moment. He's really really good, and Big and Rich they're all going to play at um, at FedEx Forum. So. It's a it's a great trip. They do a wonderful job at St. Jude, and uh, for many many years, as I said, I went uh, every season to it. I haven't been back probably in about six or seven years, so I'm stoked to get there for it. I really am. Tim, before we get into college football, you, you mentioned Justin Thomas, and you you know golf. You're very very good at golf. You understand golf. What do you think is going on with uh, JT, uh, former world number one? Now can't you know can't crack the the top seventy uh, to to make mm -hmm. it to the playoffs? That's golf. I mean, that just is golf. I mean, everybody goes through a funk uh, at some point. No matter how great a player you are, you're going to go through some difficult times. Now, this is really the first long season, the first real season that Justin's had. 
uh, as a professional when he he did not excel. And so that's a long time. You know, he's had a hot streak for a long time. I, I remember Hal Sutton, who is just a couple of years younger than me and a former Ryder Cup captain and major champion. Uh, he said once when he beat Tiger in the Players' Championship head-to-head back in 2000, he was the comeback player of the year that season, and he was considered air bear when he beat Nicholas uh, Mano Amano in the 83 PGA Championship at Riviera. I remember how saying, and, it, and it's so true, no matter how great a golfer you may be, you don't own the game. I mean, you never own the game. You're going to lose more than you win, and that's true for all of them. You know, for all of the majors won by Nicholas, he finished second more than anybody else. And for all the wins that Tiger had, he he lost more than he won. Uh, and when we say rent it, you rent the game. That means when you get in a zone, you got to take advantage of it. You need to play well, and that's why you see players sometimes win two, three, maybe four tournaments in a season because their their game gets so hot. When you're not hot and you're struggling. It's like a it's like a hitter in baseball, you know, in the middle of the season who goes through a stretch of, you know, O for forty five at the plate, you know, and maybe they send him down to triple A to get his confidence back before the stretch run. It's the same thing. Uh, and I think Justin probably because of his nature, uh, he tries so hard. I think maybe he tries too hard. And then it becomes mental. Um, but I thought what he did, um, uh, I know he misclubbed himself on 17 last week. Uh, if he hadn't, I think he would have made the top 70, even with Lucas winning. I think he would have made the top 70 because he made that eagle on the par five, but then he came right back with a bogey uh, on a hole that he really should have made par on, and and that put him behind the eight ball. And, and then he had to try to hole out for a birdie uh, to get in uh, if he wanted to be in and be safe. And... He just got nudged out. I, he'll he'll get it back together again. He's too good a player, just like yeah. Ricky Fowler did. You know, Fowler was in his slump for years. You know, it's lasted three or four years for Fowler, and he's just coming out of it. Great stuff, Brando. I will say this about the um, former University of Alabama golfer and Louisville native. He's handled all of this adverse, adversity with oh, nothing yeah. but class. He's just such a yeah, good, he's, good young he's, man. If you're if you're Zach if you're uh, Zach Johnson, do you uh, do you do you, get, do you give him a captain's pick to the Ryder Cup? Oh, good question. Boy, that's a tough one. That's a tough one. I think yeah. I, I mean, if you're a, if if you're Zach and you know Justin, and a lot of this will depend on you know Zach's view of staying with tour players versus uh, live players. You know, that's going to be one of the yes. really big choices that he's got to make. Listen, DeChambeau went out and fired a 58 over the weekend on a golf course at Greenbrier that everyone respects. So, <laughs> that's, I mean, Zach Johnson, anytime you're a captain of the Ryder Cup, you are under the gun to make the right calls. And remember, this is one of those Ryder Cups that will be a roadie, you know, not, not yeah. a home Ryder Cup. So, I think having the best players is something that the, the captain has to take into consideration. Would he go with Justin? Yeah. Would he get much criticism? Were he to go with Justin? Probably yeah. not. But if he doesn't win and he passes on guys on the live tour, he'll be criticized big time. 
And the USA has not won a road Ryder Cup in 30 years. So there's a, a lot of emphasis on, on the Ryder yeah. Cup this year. The only things that got more flake plates flying around than uh, the PGA and Live Golf is realignment in college football. <laughs> we'll talk with Tim Brando about that on the other side of the break as you listen to Big Noon Sports. Laura Lee Thompson is known as the Bama Broker. She's a Tuscaloosa native, an Alabama graduate, and the only realtor in town with Wall Street experience. A skilled negotiator, Laura Lee knows how to buy low and sell high. And the Bama Broker isn't just going to show you houses. No, Laura Lee is going to educate you on the market, guide you to homes that fit your budget, and teach you how to sell your home for its maximum profit. Throughout the entire process, the Bama Broker will equip you with the tools you need to both buy a home and build financial wealth through home ownership. Trust me, the Bama Broker, who's as roll-tied as houndstooth, will get you across the goal line. That's Laura Lee Thompson, the Bama Broker with Advantage Realty Group. You can reach her at 205 790-7229. Again, that's 205-790-7229. And you can also email her at Laura Lee at thebamabroker.com. That's Laura Lee at thebamabroker.com. Securing the best mortgage possible requires a lender who has knowledge, is trustworthy, and treats customers like family. And no one is better at all of this than the mortgage miracle worker, Haley Sansing. Based right here in Tuscaloosa, Haley Sansing has spent decades working in the mortgage industry. With Haley, it's personal, holding your hand from contract to close. With Haley, it's about one thing, you. Call Haley on her cell, yes, her cell, 205-792-1813. That's 205-792-1813. Let Haley help you. NLMS number 230376. This is the Big Noon Sports Network. It is Big Noon Sports. Lars Anderson, Matt Coulter, Kim Rankins, our producer, back at our flagship station, Tide 100.9. Tim, it's been maybe a couple of weeks since we've spoken, so there have probably been six or eight other moves as far as conference and realignment and joining and passing and applying to get out. But the big one I want to start you off with um, is Florida State. Um, Are they pushing their hand? Do you have any idea where they're going to end up? Well, if what, what what I'm hearing is true, they're certainly going out of their way to raise the funds to get the buyout. I mean, going to go through Wall Street to get it done, apparently, and then pay their debts later through their television deal with whatever conference they can get in. I, I would love to be a fly on the wall uh, with either Greg Sankey's office at the SEC or with uh, uh, Tony Patini's office uh, at the Big Ten because clearly they want the hell out of the ACC and are going to any lengths that they can to do that uh, even even you know um, <laughs> I, I, this, this is like a movie script 
you know, what they're doing, uh, to try to lead the way for other teams. And if you notice, the Clemson athletic director, the Miami athletic director and president, none of them are saying anything because they're just letting the Florida State uh, people, uh, you know, forge ahead and lead the way. But they all are in lockstep with FSU. So it's uh, it's amazing to think. Meanwhile, you know, they got this report Stanford and Cal are in conversations with Jim Phillips at the ACC to show you, you know, the kind of panic that is set in uh, for those four schools that are left out of the um, of, of the Pac-12 uh, after it really dissolved on on Friday. It's these are incredible times, and we'll look back on this, fellas, uh, years from now, and say this is when. Uh, college football really did take that that Herculean step uh, in a progressive way to to catch up for all the money they've left on the table for such a long time. If you talk to anyone that follows the fiscal end of of college football, they would all tell you that uh, this is a an underused financial asset, big time. Uh, college football, that a lot of money's been left on the table for a long period of time. And and that's what Florida State's looking at. You know, when their president looks over and sees that South Florida is making more money in television than they are, that's a problem. And, you know, I'm also curious what, you know, what the politics of uh, the Gators that are in Tallahassee will be, okay? Because as you know, even though the state capital is in Tallahassee, most of those uh, representatives that are there within the legislature are Florida grads. So how's that going to roll? <laughs> It'll be wild. It'll be absolutely wild to watch transpire. Uh, okay, big picture question, Tim. Um, is this good? Is it bad? <laughs> I mean, you, you, well, you have opinions all over the place here. Well, yeah. Uh, let me say this, Lars, and I'm going to at the risk of um, at the risk of offending you because you're a writer, uh, and I don't mean to to do that. But many of these writers that have been lampooning my industry, the television business, saying that executives at Fox were responsible for uh, the Pac-12's 108 year coming to an end, I think that's a reach. I think that's a big overreach. Uh, and, I, and I'm, I'm specifically talking about the article that was written by Pat Forty uh, in Sports Illustrated. And, and listen, I like Pat. I've known Pat a long time. Um, we don't share the same political lean by any stretch. He's got a daughter that competed at Stanford as an Olympic-level athlete. So I get where he is in terms of feeling left holding the bag at Stanford. And Cal probably... Uh, any parent of anyone that participated in athletics at Cal might feel similarly. But the bottom line is the Pac-12 had every opportunity to get this taken care of, and their leadership was asleep at the wheel. And yeah. all of the cop, all of the people that were running those schools, and particularly those in the Silicon Valley area, were really slow to move. And it was a problem for Larry Scott. Uh, Scott was not a good commissioner. He basically financially ran that conference into a ditch with a television concept that was not going to utilize either ESPN or Fox, but he was going to start his own television network 
and he didn't even have a deal with DirecTV to get uh, distribution going. Uh, and he couldn't get a cable TV going because he wasn't associating his network at all with either the Disney Corporation or with Fox News Corp. So I, I don't know what he was thinking at that time, but it was it was certainly not about the financial best interest of, of the Pac-12. Now, when Klyevkov came in there, George Klyevkov is a guy that is certainly acquainted with the industry of TV. He's dealt with it some. He did come from the gaming industry, which, by the way, TV is involved in. But he allowed Yormark, he allowed Brett Yormark, the Big 12 commissioner, to get a jump start on negotiations while he was talking with his people within the Pac-12 about getting a consultation board to survey the landscape for the new rights fees. You have no time to do that if you're the Pac-12. Meanwhile, Yormark, a New York lawyer himself, and somebody that had been very successful with NASCAR and had great contacts in television, particularly with the, the people at Fox and NBC, he was on the phone making deals. And he got for his people, for the people that were left when Oklahoma and Texas, two of the biggest brands in the sport, left the Big 12. Everyone said the Big 12 is dead. Remember? Remember all that? Big 12 is right. going to die. Well it, well, it didn't. And the reason it didn't was because your mark did a hell of a job. And not only did he get, uh, I thought, three really good schools out of the American, all successful recently, Cincinnati, UCF, and Houston. And also he got BYU, which brings an international following, to go along with what was left in the Big 12. And that TV deal with both Fox and ESPN that was, was inked by him a little over a year ago is worth $7 million more per team than those teams were getting when Texas and Oklahoma was in the Big 12. Because if you recall, those schools got more money. Those two schools always got more money than the rest of the conference members. So now they've got balance, and now they've got everyone on the same page within the Big 12. And 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 for whatever reason, Klyavkov thought, really thought, that a digital-only, Apple-centric TV deal that was incentive-based financially was going to go over well with these presidents. I guarantee you the guys at Washington and Oregon, who clearly care more about college football than Stanford and Cal, they were like, wait a minute, you're going to tell us we're going to be on digitally and we might make $23 million, or we might make $25 million or $28 based on uh, you know how we do with subscriptions for for Apple TV? No, we're above that. We want to be on Fox. We want to be on ESPN, CBS, or NBC. And, you know, the people that are in governance, fellas, they're, they're my age and older. Okay? They want guaranteed money. They want to get to their stadiums and suites, turn on the network, and see the big boys calling their game. They don't want to see and try to find on their phones or, or on their computers at home, you know, uh, you know, Apple TV. I'm sorry. A digital TV is here to stay. And sports on digital TV is the future, but it's certainly not the currency. It's it's Absolutely. not there yet. And network and network television, fellas, is going to be leaning on live sports for a long time to come because of the economics and the television viewing habits of today's uh, viewers. I mean, there's nothing on TV in prime time anymore that people want to watch except live sports. All the great TV shows that we watch now are on digitally. Netflix, 
Prime, Amazon, and and Peacock. You know, that's where we're going to get our our dramatic fix for television. That's that's who's winning all the the Emmys for sure. Not NBC, CBS, or ABC. Tim, um, from thirty thousand feet. I, it looks like the student athlete's been totally left out of all the conversations of flying 3,500 miles across the country. Um, that disrupts their schedules. Um, they, you know, what do they study? What do they do? Of course, they have resources. They have tutors. They have they folks do. to help them they along do. that line. Is 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 that a question that's not even being addressed? Well, I, I think it is being addressed, certainly by the Big Ten. One of the reasons I believe, and, and I, you know, we had our seminar back in uh, Terranea in Rancho Palos Verdes about a month ago, earlier than we normally have it. And Tony Petiti was there. And I, I, I did have the occasion to chat with him a little bit about the potential of expansion. He didn't address it to everybody, but I asked him about it. And he said, well, look, our presidents right now are only concerned with USC and UCLA and getting them in. And I said, okay, but would it also not be helpful if you had additional teams out West to help defray the cost? Because even though you don't go divisions in football, you could go divisions in the non-revenue producing sports. And he, he sort of nodded his head to that and grudgingly said, yeah, that's, that's certainly a consideration. So I think that uh, that had to be something in play from at least the Big Ten president's point of view that voted for having Oregon and Washington included. Now, remember, they're not getting the full financial package that USB and UCLA are getting because they came in late and they were desperate. They're going to get about half what those schools are getting, but they will slowly, incrementally get up to the same amount of money that USB and UCLA get. But anything was going to be better than what the Pac-12 was offering, so they went with it. To the, to the point that's made from that lofty perch of academia uh, that we hear so often from, and particularly Lars, I'll say it again, uh, uh, many writers that are my age and older are pointing out that this is all about money, and I don't disagree. It is all about money. It's all about grabbing some money that you've been leaving on the table for many, many years and trying to catch up with, with the times. But, uh, you know, in the final analysis, young students today and the way they go about being educated is far different than it was even in the 90s. Classes online are the uh, the rule rather than the exception. Uh, that's that's something you got to take into consideration. And the other factor is with Washington and Oregon coming into the Big Ten along with USC and UCLA, they can, all those schools can do timeshares with charter air travel, which will certainly help expedite whatever travel concerns they may have. So in today's world, we can get from point A to point B far more quickly. And the student, the so-called student athlete, which is a term I'm getting awfully tired of hearing now, I, I, I do agree with Pat Forty on this. They're players, okay? And, and we need to call them players. But I think most fans need to understand that the lion's share of scholarship athletes are students first rather than athletes and that's still true today but they are being treated now in a way they've never been treated before in terms of having academic tutors with each and every program having academic centers that are all theirs all the time on campuses and at the same time as i mentioned 
the opportunity to to take classes online. So uh, it's not the way it used to be. And I think a lot of fans and some in the media are having to come to terms with that uh, in a way that I think has them shaking their heads. But uh, this is is something that was going to happen, needed to happen. And in my view, once the dust settles from realignment, and we're still probably a long way from that happening, but once it does settle, college athletics is going to be flourishing in ways people never imagined. The Big Ten is now up to 18 teams with the addition of Oregon and Washington. Does SEC Commissioner Greg Sankey need to make a counter move? Uh, And do you think he will? I don't think he needs to, but does he want to? You know, that's the question. Uh, And I think that the envelope here may be be, uh, opened if Florida State can pull off what they are trying to pull off. Um, You know, years ago, I'll never forget Bobby Bowden. And when I played in that event, the last one I was in at the Regents, uh, Matt, I played with, among others, Al Del Greco was in my group, and Bobby Bowden and Jeff Fisher were in my group. Mm when we were playing. I don't know who your A player was. was. Al was taking care of us from 100 yards at end. Trust me. <laughs> uh, he was. But but uh, uh, Bobby wanted no part of the SEC and the opportunity presented itself. He had a chance to go there. But Bobby said, why would I want to do that? I'm already playing Florida at the end of the year. Uh, I'm fine with... I'm, you know, he had been an independent. And people need to remember this. Bobby, people people think that Bobby turned down an opportunity for greater competition. No, Bobby said, you know, I worked at my tail off as an independent, playing teams like Nebraska, Ohio State, Pitt, and LSU on the road to establish my Florida State program and make it a big-time program. And then when he got to the ACC, yeah, the schedule eased for him because his talent was far greater than those teams. But he still had tough games. Games like the one with Notre Dame, games like the one with Florida at the end of every year that, you know, other teams didn't play to close out their season. And he just turned down the opportunity to go to the SEC because he thought, hey, I paid my dues. I built this place from a, a women's teacher teacher's college into Florida by God State University. So he didn't want the SEC. But times have changed, and the ACC has fallen on really hard times because of another bad television deal that uh, John Swafford unfortunately made because that league's presidents wanted to keep up with the Joneses and have a network just like the SEC's. So ESPN gave them what they wanted, but cut them in terms of the overall amount of money they were going to get yearly by having them sign a contract all the way to 2036. And so that's why they find themselves in the dilemma that they're in now, and the only way out, I think, from Florida State's point of view, is to get into the Southeastern Conference. I, I gotta believe, fellas, that the truth is, Sankey at some point has 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 yielded to the Florida State people. Uh, whether he wants to admit it or not is another question. But at some point in a, a private conversation, FSU's been given some assurances that if they can get out of the ACC, that uh, they'll certainly be given. Um, a seat at the table to discuss coming into the SEC. At the very least. Tim, great yeah, stuff. Yeah. Hey, play well in Memphis now. 
I used to love going through Collierville. They had a place called Coleman's Ooh. Barbecue. See if you can't yeah. find it while you're there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've been told that already uh, on Twitter by some some friends and fans uh, that that I stopped by there. Yeah, you can you can't go to Memphis and not have a little barbecue. That's for sure. No question. And uh, I, I appreciate that, fellas. I will be with Spencer T at our first game on week zero. We've got. Um, uh, before I leave, I need to tell you that we've got San Diego State, uh, which that's a brand new stadium that they've got, and uh, I gather they're going to stay in the Mountain West now because the Pac-12 is going away. Uh, but they're playing Ohio U to open. That's on Saturday, I believe it's a six o'clock Central Time start on FS1. And the following week, uh, Spencer and I will be at Michigan State for a good one with Central Michigan. And then uh, we're we're going to go to SC to see the Trojans, Caleb Williams, on Big Fox on September 9th. And then we get TCU at Houston on September 16th. So those are our and those those last two are on Big Fox uh, in weeks three, uh, weeks two, and week three. So that's how we start. We got four games to go, and uh, I crank it up two weeks from this Saturday. Thank you so it's much exciting. for your time, Tim. Yeah, yeah. big stuff. <laughs> We will talk again next week, if not sooner. Thank you, Tim Brando. Thank you, Tim. Okay, fellas. Tell it like it is, Timmy. Back with the uh, wrap here on a Tuesday in Big Noon Sports. Oh, yeah. Securing the best mortgage possible requires a lender who has knowledge, is trustworthy, and treats customers like family. And no one is better at all of this than the mortgage miracle worker, Haley Sansing. Based right here in Tuscaloosa, Haley Sansing has spent decades working in the mortgage industry. With Haley, it's personal, holding your hand from contract to close. With Haley, it's about one thing, you. Call Haley on her cell, yes, her cell, 205-792-1813. That's 205-792-1813. Let Haley help you. NLMS number 230376. Covering SEC sports like kudzu on the roadside. This is Big Noon Sports. Blink and this one was over. Back to wrap up Big Noon Sports. Our thanks to Mark Heim from AL.com and WNSP down in Mobile, as well as Tim Brando for their contributions to the show. Lars, uh, really excited about tomorrow. I've been kind of going back and forth with former Alabama quarterback Gary Hollingsworth. Uh, He and Roger Schultz, I think, are very, very top of the list as far as the funniest players to ever wear crimson. But by golly, they were also pretty good. So he's going to be on tomorrow. And also Bruce Cunningham, our buddy from the uh, Ravens, uh, will be on to talk about what's going on there as we approach the NFL season. I did want to take the opportunity that, you know, we were talking about uh, the Ravens and Washington being on Monday Night Football. It's a great place to watch football. And it's right there in downtown Tuscaloosa. It's R&R Cigars. Drop by and see Reagan and Rand. Andy, um, grab you a few sticks and uh, kick your feet up in one of the recliners and uh, have you a nice uh, two fingers of a really, really good bourbon. Um, one of my favorite things to do, and we'll get into it uh, as the season goes on, but <laughs> that place is going to be a whole lot of fun Tennessee week. Oh, yeah. Reagan feels the <laughs> same way I do about Tennessee. 
<laughs> and uh, we'll see how that works out. But main point is just to remember R&R when you're talking about your social affairs tonight or later in the week. Yeah, it, it, I, I love hanging out there uh, with Reagan and, and uh, the, the the puppy, and uh, you'll even see uh, Reagan's little one uh, walking Early around. Early in there. the day, you're yeah. right. You sure will. <laughs> so it's a it, it's a it's a great place, and I encourage everyone of age to uh, check it out. R and R Cigars. All right, Lars, let's wrap it up. Unless you've got thirty seconds of a story you want to bring with us. I can never tell a story in 30 seconds. You oh, know no. that. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm, I'm a little... I'm a, that's it. why I'm a magazine book writer. Uh, I, 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 the, the art of brevity is lost on me. Save it for Wednesday, which is when we will talk to you next. You've been listening to Big Noon Sports, and we'll chat in 22 hours. <laughs>